Good morning again. This morning the sermon comes from Joshua 8, 30-35, which you can find in your pew Bible on 343. 343. Hear now the word of the Lord. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has welled an iron tube. They offered it on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native born, with the elders and officers and judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel, and afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings, and the curse, and according to all that is written in the book of the law. There is not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us go to prayer. Our most heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the presence of this congregation in your church today. We all need to know that we don't, don't need to build our lives on false foundations. We need to build our lives on Christ's law and grace, realizing no one else died to save our sins but you. And we pray that we all will work together to make our members and visitors welcome to God's church. We pray that all our officers, committees, and workers will show a Christian spirit to everyone and try to grow our godly church. We prayerfully thank Reverend Parker for his devoted spiritual guidance. Amen. Well, it's God's covenant people. We are called to worship him individually, as a family, and as a people. You know, we were created by God for relationship, both the capability and the need for it. Everyone who's made in the image of God, and that certainly includes everyone, both our neighbor and our enemy alike, everyone who is made in the image of God has within them this need and capacity for relationship. And certainly the greatest relationship of all is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We see this in, in creation, how God created man, Adam and Eve, out of nothing. And he gave them a special relationship to the world as those to rule over it, be fruitful and multiply, be stewards of the world. And he gave them a relationship between each other, between Adam and Eve, man and wife. And they had a relationship with the Lord. Now the fall changed the nature of those relationships, but it did not change the fact that we were called to be in relationship one with each other. And especially called into be relationship with our Lord and our God through our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we are in relationship with somebody, we often add structure to it. What do I mean by that? Certainly if, you're, if we're in a business relationship with someone, we may bring the structure of a contract that has both blessings and curses. You know, your mortgage has many curses in it if you don't pay it and has many blessings of we won't take your house away if you pay it. We also see it in relationship with each other. Um, I remember I was t- talking to Chrissy last night and my first girlfriend in fifth grade. Um, I don't know if that's a good time to date or not. We, we went out, though we didn't go anywhere. Uh, for three months, I dated Stephanie Harmon and I gave her two pounds of jelly bellies for her birthday, which apparently she didn't particularly like. And uh, soon thereafter, she sent her um, best friend, Alex Broder, to break up with me. And our relationship came to an end. Now, we were still friends, but we had we'd come into a time, we brought structure into our relationship. We were going out, that's how we defined the relationship then. And then that period ended at the end of those three months. We had structure to our relationship. And certainly when I say I love Christy, I proved it to her by marrying her. We, I loved her greatly. We had this relationship, and so we entered into a formal relationship with each other. And do you know when we stood at First Presbyterian Church in Demopolis, Alabama, we made promises to each other. We entered into covenant with each other. And I have in my hand the sign of Christie's covenantal love that she has pledged to me. I wear it on my finger. This is not a reminder of my love for her. This is a reminder of her love for me. Because I love her, because we had this relationship, we entered into a formal relationship with each other, and so has God with his people. God has entered into what's called a covenant with his people. We're going to explore this topic this morning, especially in the realm of worship, that as God's covenant people, we have been called into a covenant relationship with God as individuals, as families, and as a people. And we are called to worship the Lord our God in each one of those spheres. Well, covenant is perhaps a word you've heard um, growing up or heard it a lot or maybe not at all, depending on where and what church you grew up in. But a covenant is a biblical concept. And it is how God has decided to structure our relationship with him. We see them all throughout the Bible. If you look in the very early pages of the Bible, you see this relationship between God and Adam, we might call a covenant of works. God said, if you do this, if you do not eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you will live. Well, they failed and they broke that covenant. And so he entered into what's called a covenant of grace. We have been all saved since then by God's grace, by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, from Adam and Eve until time ends. All will be saved not by works, by faith through grace, grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We see it, and we, we see it in the, the, the covenant made with Noah, 
and the covenant made with, um, who's next? Abraham and Moses and David. And finally we get to the, the Lord's Supper. And what does Jesus say? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What is a covenant anyway? If it's so important, what is a covenant? Well, it's in your outline. I've given it to you. Just a few short words. It gives us a good definition. It's a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. Now, that seems like a scary theological definition if I've ever heard one. Uh, a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. And what I mean by this, a bond. A bond is a formal relationship. We have a relationship with God and he has now made bond. He has made a bond with us of promises to us that he will be our God and we will be his people. It is a bond, it is a promise, it is a contractual relationship, a bond in blood. If you have time this afternoon, go and look at Genesis 15. A fantastic text. And you see this bond that is made in blood between Abraham and God. And you'll notice when you look there that animals are cut in two. You think, what in the world is going on here? This is how a treaty was made back then. Animals were cut in two and then the the lesser party, the one that had been conquered, would, would go through the animals that had been cut in half And promises were made and it said, if I break these terms, then you will come and do to me like I've done to these animals and cut me in two. It's a bond, a contractual obligation, an agreement in blood. But if you look at Genesis 15, who walks through the animals? It's not Abraham. It's God. God has made this relationship with us in which he takes both the blessings and the curses. We have this relationship with him because he has called us to be his people and because of that he has entered into this relationship with us called a covenant. And he has taken upon himself both the blessings and the curses in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is sovereignly administered, what that means is a fancy way of saying that God's in charge. We love because God first loved us, we learn in 1 John 4, 19. We love because God loves us. And Abraham, nor any of us, can fulfill the demands of our relationship with the Lord. And so Jesus Christ has fulfilled all those things on the cross for us. And so we have this relationship with the Lord. He has entered into us. We have this relationship and he's entered into a covenant relationship with us but it's not just individual it is individual but it is more than that it is individual and a family level and a corporate level a people level when we think about who does God do business with it's not just me and it's not just my family it is all of us it is God's people that he has called out and entered into the special relationship with his people several years back in college um which I think some of you think was last year for me. Uh, several years back uh, in college, I had the privilege of going uh, to a southeastern or Southeast Asia company, uh, country on a mission trip. I won't tell you which one, it's being recorded. Um, but I had a privilege of going and, and I saw it on an individual family and a people level. And what I mean by this is that God called me individually to go to this Asian country. He called me, Parker Johnson, he gave me the funds through generous donors He gave me the desire to do it, and he gave me time off from school to go. But you know, he also called my family, because my father and my mother went too. My my brother was married and unable to come. 
We all went together as a family. Now God each called them individually too, but he called us together. We also went with other people as well. And when we got there, we worshipped at this place called the International Christian Fellowship in the capital city of this country. And do you know when we gathered there, we gathered with people from 70 other countries. 70 other countries to worship the Lord together. See, our relationship with the Lord is so much bigger than just me. And it's so much bigger than just you. And it's so much bigger than just my family. The Lord has called himself a people. This is why we can celebrate upcoming Holy Week with our brothers and sisters at other churches because we're not just the people of God here. God has called his people from all around the world. I say that to tell you this, that we have a relationship with God, an individual, family, and corporate or people level, and we are called to nourish that relationship with the Lord. We're called to nourish that relationship with the Lord. So think individually. The Lord has called us individually as Christians to come to him and to lay down our heavy burdens. And he gives us rest. To come and confess our sins and he gives us salvation. But do you know when someone becomes a Christian, there are blessings not just for this person but also his family. You see this throughout Scripture. Do you remember Abraham when he was called out of Haran in Genesis chapter 12? Do you remember who went with him? Was it just Abraham or just Abram? No, it was his whole family. And do you remember who received the sign of of the covenant, the sign of circumcision in Genesis 17? Do you remember? Was it just Abraham? No. It was his whole family. Or Lydia in Acts 16. Lydia, she became a Christian. Do you remember who was baptized? Her whole family. In the same chapter in Acts 16, when when the Philippian jailer became a Christian, do you know who was baptized? His whole family. Now, each individual person had to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ on their own. But because the head of the household had entered into a relationship, a covenant relationship with the Lord, there were blessings for the whole family. Acts chapter 2 tells us that the promise is for you and for your children. This is why we come to the um, baptismal font with, with children. I got to baptize Lizzie not long ago. This doesn't mean that she's a Christian, but it does mean that she's been set apart. She's been set apart and there's certain promises that God makes to the children of his believers. The children of his children. Because she, whether or not she knows the Lord yet, we don't know. But, but she's been marked as one who has been set aside. She's not like everyone else. Y'all have taken promises to help me and Christy to raise my child. She is under the shepherding care of the session. She gets to hear and will hear one day great teaching in our science school classes on Wednesday nights. She's different. She's been set aside. She has is, she is received the sign of God's love for her in her body. And we certainly, as we come together as God's people... God calls us into relationship with each other. And we are called to nourish this relationship with the Lord in, in, in each three of these three senses. If you uh, will turn to Psalm 1, Psalm 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on 843. And we see here in Psalm 1 how God calls us individually to seek the Lord daily. 
to seek the Lord daily as individuals. And as we do so, we are enabled to fulfill these, these other um, contexts. Psalm 1, 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in its season and does not, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff the wind drives away. We are called to seek the Lord individually. You know, when we are in a relationship with somebody, we need to spend time with them. Now, if I came to my wife and said, Christy, I see that I'm bearing the sign of your love for me. It is my duty now to spend time with you. Do you think that would go over very well? <laughs> we don't have a guest bed anymore. I'd be on the sofa. Um, no. For chapter 1 of Psalm says he delights. He delights in the word of God. He delights in the law of God. And do you know what God has done for us? He has shed his own blood on the cross. He has poured his his wrath on his son, our Savior, that we might have salvation. How could we not long to come to him and to worship him, to do business with him individually? As we think about this fact that we are called as a people covenantally, not just as individuals, but also as families. We see the pattern in Deuteronomy 6 of how we are called to pass on our faith to our children. Now, ultimately, your children must call on the name of the Lord themselves. That is up to the Lord, his sovereign election, and to your children. But we are called to lead our families. Men, we are called to lead our families well, especially as we tell our children, as we spend time with our wife, as we spend time with our families, as we spend time together in the Word of God. Deuteronomy 6 6 and 7, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. We haven't been just called into covenant relationship with the Lord individually, but it's our families. Christy and I have some really good children's Bibles that we use, and um, if you're looking for some good resources, I'd be glad to, to give you some. But as a people, we are called. As a people, we are called each week to come together and to renew our covenant relationship with the Lord. There's something called a Sabbath. And it didn't end when Christ came. It's changed its location from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. We call it the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day. And we are here today as we seek to renew our relationship with the Lord Jesus. He has called us to come together. This is what we see in the Joshua text. We looked at it more verse by verse last week. And so uh, if you want the verse by verse, um, play by play as it were, um, you feel free to check check it out online as we just pull a few things from our text this morning. This is what we see in this text this morning in Joshua 8, that God's people have come together as, as a covenant people of God to seek their Lord. And we see that the elements of our service They find their root in this passage 
and many others. There's a connection between the, pe- the, the worship of God's people now and all the way back here. This would have been about 1400 BC. This was a long time ago. And as we look at these elements, we see that first God's people came together. Verses 32 and verse 33 tell us they came to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. As somebody informed me this week, it, it serves as a natural amphitheater. And the limestone rock is arranged in such a way that there's seating for the hundreds of thousands of Israelites that have been there. And those who stand on Mount Ebal can hear the people who are standing on Mount Gerizim. And they can hear each other back and forth. They come together. God's people are called to come together. You know, there are a great many just wonderful preachers that you can hear online or on television these days. And if I'm not speaking of shut-ins here. Shut-ins, you know, I'm very thankful are, are pursuing the Lord those ways. But the fact is that we are called to come together physically. If we don't come together physically, we've just stayed in the realm of individual or family worship and we haven't come together as God's people. And we see the first thing that the, the people of God did is they came together as God's people. Second thing is they were called into worship. We get this explicitly from another um, covenant renewal service from Joshua chapter 24, where they are called into worship. You know, historically, do you know what the bell used to do? The church bell, it would call people to worship. The bell, that was the function. You would hear the bell and you would go to the church. And now, with the advent of, of watches... We know what time it is, and my iPhone reminds me often at 6 a.m. that it's time to get up and head to the church. We are called by God's word into worship. It serves as something more than just a transitional Bible verse. It's tough sometimes when you've got kids, you're trying to wrangle in the car, and you've forgotten this, that, and the other, or the roast is is in the oven. We need... The word of God to call us into worship. And this is what it does. They are called together and they rejoice before the Lord. We see this laid out in the template for this service in Deuteronomy 27, 7. They are called to come and and to rejoice before the Lord. And, And how do we rejoice before the Lord here? Through the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. According to Ephesians 5, 19. I have a question for you. Do you think that it's just those who have musical abilities that are called to rejoice before the Lord? Is it just those that sing as well as these folks up here do? Or is it all of us? The Lord has called each one of us to rejoice before him in song. And what, what amazing things we have to rejoice over that the Lord Jesus would die in our place. They too came together and affirmed their faith. Do you remember last week if you were here and we did that, I read the curses and you said amen? They were affirming their faith. They were affirming their covenant uh, commitments to the Lord. And this is what we do as we come and we look at and we use the Apostles' Creed to affirm our faith together. They dealt with sin just like we do. Verse 31 tells us that they offered burnt offerings. This was what you offered for the forgiveness of sins. Now we know that both they and we have been saved not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of our Savior. But we come to service too, don't we? And we deal with sin. 
as we privately confess our sin and hear the assurance of pardon. They came to hear the word of God. In verse 34, uh, Joshua reads to them all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. And we come to church as well as God's covenant people to hear his word read and preached. And the Spirit uses the words in our hearts to change us. The one thing they did here that we don't do regularly, it was the fellowship meal. Deuteronomy 27, the template for this passage, makes it clear they were to uh, offer the peace offerings, rejoice, and eat together. And we do that when we come together and do what? We come to the Lord's table, don't we? We come to the Lord's table and we rejoice of the peace that has been brought to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, they received the Lord's blessing. Verse 34 tells us the whole reason they came was to receive the Lord's blessing. We receive the benediction at the end of the service, which is Latin for good word. And it's not a prayer, and it's not a closing statement. It is God's good word to us. It pronounces to us a blessing from the Lord. Well, we have been called as God's people, individually, and on a family level, and as a people. And we are called, as God's covenant people, to do business with Him, to worship Him, on each one of those levels. I ask you, how are you doing in those things? These things don't make us Christians. These things are in response to the fact that what Christ has done for us. For we can receive the benediction. We can receive the good word because our Savior has received the word of cursing. That on the cross, that he would receive God's wrath, that we might receive his blessing. And from Hebrews 10, 14, we read, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you know this, God? Are you one of his covenant people? If you're not, may today be the day that you surrender all. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you have entered into a relationship with us we who did not deserve it, we who had nothing to offer. We pray, O oh God, that you'd help us to draw near to you um, daily and regularly, individually, as a family, as a people, as we rejoice together at what our Savior has done for us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.